0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And today we're going to talk about constructing your new normal.
1: Yes, this is the time, isn't it?
0: Sure is. We've been talking on and off for the past few episodes about how the table's been flipped and the chips are in the air. And, you know, you can sit back and let them land where they're going to land or you can try and grab some, try and get them to land where you want them to land. <laughs> and everyone's kind of been pushed out of their normal, including you, dear listener, I'm sure. We wanted to talk a little bit about the actions that you can take to prepare yourself to slingshot forward in the eventual recovery when things settle down. I mean, I don't think anybody believes they're going to go back, things will go back quite to the the way they were before. But that doesn't mean they won't be good. I feel like while the Fabric is pliable, it's like well, turn it into like something something you can, or when the, I mean clay would have been a better better <laughs> idea or the dough like the right now, the dough is all squishy and and easy to work with. It's like, well, what kind of pizza do you want to make here? you know, or what do you want to make with this dough? I think it'd be no surprise to hear that I think doing nothing right now is the absolute worst thing you could do
1: well, doing nothing in 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 the sense of it's certainly a good time to rethink. Right. Because that's what we're talking about in terms of constructing your new normal. What, what do you want it to look like? So in terms of thinking, it's a good idea to do a little thinking, but not to sit there and do nothing for weeks and months at a time.
0: Yeah. Just like, oh, I'll just wait until things go back the way they were. Because that ain't happening. Mm-mm, no. I think there's two there are two sides to this coin that are important. So the first one is constructing your new normal and thinking about reevaluating past decisions, thinking about new decisions, kind of staying on the cutting edge of what the context feels like so that you can create your own new normal, but also recognize that your clients are potentially going through the same thing. And maybe they're just sitting on the sidelines and, you know, head in the sand waiting for stuff to go back the way it was. Or uh, hopefully they are going to be doing the same thing. Like how can I, like things are in flux. So what new normal are they going to create for themselves? And and how could you potentially help them with that?
1: Yeah. Sort of like coming out swinging.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So for me, it's been really obvious to me, from a pricing standpoint, so I'm always thinking about that, writing an email every day about pricing and related topics. I'm hypersensitive to that internal feeling of ROI, that internal feeling of like what something's worth to me. And it's wild as the context shifts under, underneath me and everyone to, to notice what things I suddenly value and what things I used to value that I suddenly don't. The most public example for us is like, we bought a basketball hoop for the driveway. Like, (laughs) what changed? Did I suddenly find out that basketball hoops existed? Or did basketball hoops suddenly become available on Amazon? Or did they suddenly drop the price? No, none of those things happened. How come I didn't buy a basketball hoop six months ago? Because my context changed. So now all of a sudden, I don't even know how much it was. Like, let's say it was $200. All of a sudden, $200 for a basketball hoop, and all of the other investments of time to put it together and rearrange the cars and all that stuff, all of a sudden that investment of time and money was worth it to me. So it became a positive ROI trade.
1: Mm-hmm. Emotionally. Yeah, emotionally right. and financially yeah. and everything. Yeah.
0: Um, but did did I change? Not. Re- I mean, in a sense I did, but really I'm just reacting to the new normal or the current normal. So I go out and buy some stuff that I – probably never would have bought before. I'm sure anyone listening could immediately tick off half a dozen items that they never would have bought before, but now all of a sudden seem like a good investment or a good purchase.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And the flip side of that is that there are things that I made a purchase decision about in the past. So kind sub- things like subscriptions or uh, car loans or office rent or those like Dollar Shave Club boxes that you get every month with some stuff in them and, you know, and all of those things because my context changed. It's like I'm looking at them and saying, yeah, that made sense at the time, but does it make sense now? And had had my routine never been upended by the virus, I probably wouldn't have reevaluated those decisions for a real long time. But since the dough is squishy right now, it's like, well, let me take a look at everything. I got to afford these basketball hoops. So (laughs) (laughs) what's going to go, if anything? And it's been really eye-opening, in particular, my office, because I'm a definite work-from-home person, have worked from home for a long, long time. And when my kids were like two and six, it was total chaos in my house. I couldn't record a podcast. I'm recording a podcast now, though, because they're older and they're chill and... I can say, I'm going to be on the phone for an hour. Can you guys keep it down? And they're like, yeah. And I haven't been in my office for a month and here comes the monthly bill. I'm like, "Eh, is it really worth a grand to keep that place like running? And honestly, I I don't think so. The one thing I went in for was earlier this week, I did my ditching hourly live workshop remotely from my office instead of what I would normally do which have people actually there in person. And to be honest, I think it went better than when it was in person. So all of these things going through my head, they're probably going through your head, dear listener. I hope they are that you're reevaluating these things. And they're probably also going through your client's heads. So how are how are the puzzle pieces going to rearrange? And what is the new picture going to look like?
1: Well, and I think there's a, a part of this where you have to give yourself permission that things are going to change and and that you can change. I'm thinking of a conversation I had yesterday with a client I'd worked with a while back, and her business just is really on hold right now. I mean, nobody's interested in doing anything, although I do think her area will be one of the first to come back. And she was struggling with a few things. And, and finally, I said, look, how about if you just psychologically tell yourself you're not going to have any income for the next three months? Nothing, nada, zilch. Take the pressure off yourself. She had savings, so there was a place to go for that money. But what would you do instead? And it was like the second she didn't feel like she had to produce revenue, which would be very, very difficult, all of a sudden she had this much more freeing way of constructing a new normal for herself, at least for the next three months. That's what we all have to do is we've we've got to take advantage. And I I use that word very intentionally, not take advantage of other people, but take advantage of this time to reevaluate and reassess and rethink.
0: If you're listening to this, dear listener and you're thinking like no way, or it just feels impossible. I'm just telling you like there, it's not impossible I have tons of students, people on my email list that are emailing me. People are still spending money. They might not be spending money with you because their situation is such that their priorities have just flipped upside down or they've radically changed. And the the thing that you used to sell isn't important right now. Maybe it'll be important later. Or maybe you can think of some other way to help them that you're uniquely qualified to do. But you need to be in the mindset of... sort of improvisational mindset or this adaptive mindset where we talked with Charlie last week, Charles Green last week, and it was reach out to people and say, how are you? No no idea of sales or anything like that, but just like reaching out to people, connecting with them, staying connected with them, being a calm presence. And who knows, maybe they'd be like, you know what, I could really use your help with this thing that I'm struggling with me. Who knows what could happen? But being open to this kind of adaptive mindset. There's, there's something about that. Like it's with everything changing so quickly, it's almost like each week feels like a month and each one feels (laughs) very different. Like the vibe feels very different. It feels very important to keep your finger on the pulse of that because I see people who are doing that. If nothing else, they're doing well emotionally. So that's, and
1: that's the key. It's, it's really hard to not do well emotionally and do well during this this uh, situation. It's like we have to find a way to manage our own selves and how we think about things. And it doesn't mean we're not going to have our, our moments, you know, sobbing on the floor or screaming at the, the dog or whatever it is. You know, we're going to have those. But mostly, if, if we can stay sane during this, that's a big accomplishment.
0: Right. Yeah, I I think there is a correlation to the kind of lockdown turtle head in the shell mindset that that seems to be the stressful move that we're vibrating with like, how long is it going to be? How long is it going to be? How long is it going to be? Instead of instead of coming out of the shell and just being like, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? This sounds stupid to say out loud, but like not even thinking about money. And I love your I love your advice to like, just give yourself permission to not worry about that to the extent that you can. Obviously, everyone's in a different situation but to the extent that you can just don't worry about that right now and be helpful which is advice we've given over and over again throughout the history of the show through those conversations of you reaching out to be how can you be helpful you're you're going to find new niches and new opportunities and new ways to help ways to have an impact that you can't predict like it's impossible to predict because it's going to be everything's going to not some things will be the same but lots of things are going to be new and Different industries are going to snap back differently. Like you said, this person's might, uh, you think it'll come back quickly. The past recessions were different than this one, I think, because because the cause was different. So there's- The suddenness of this. Right. And it was like a disease-based thing versus a a housing crisis. You know, that was like a financial-based thing. This is totally different. And I feel like it's really hard to have any kind of reasonable prediction about how long it's going to last or what it's going to look like after i feel like the way to know sooner and i feel like everyone would want to know sooner how it's going to play out by getting out there and like surfing on that edge and just being like in touch with people kind of taking their temperatures no pun intended on how their world is changing because theirs is changing the same way yours is and it's just like the worst possible time to get disconnected i think
1: The analogy with the ocean is that's what it is, is, you know, we're in waves and we're going up and down and so so are our clients. And what's fascinating if you just talk to them, even if talking is an email, is hearing different perspectives. Somebody mentioned the other day that they'd had a, a small headache and the first thing that went through their mind was, oh my God, I have this. And I love that this person shared that with me. I totally get it. I mean, that's where we're at. And then that same person the next day could be, oh, I just thought of this great idea. That's just, that's where we all are. And the things that we learn by listening to people are just fascinating. They really are. And one of the things I've been having conversations, online conversations with people, and I was struck by, how many more people were interested in my consultant nation group coaching option. I designed it for a particular um, kind of person and the opposite of those kinds of people are now kind of nosing around going, I wonder if this would be right for me and having those conversations. And so I just try to keep my mind open and hear what people are telling me is important to them.
0: Yeah. Really listening to, right. Like, like, leave all preconceived notions at the door and really listen because I'm not going to say any experience you have from the past is potentially not in play anymore, but I'm approaching it like that. I'm trying to like question every assumption and just really listen, optimize for as many conversations as I, as I can, I'm doing like webinars and trying to interact with people on my list more than ever and people in Slack rooms and all of that, just kind of get the feel for it. But there I mean there are plenty of people, not everybody, but there's a strong percentage of people who are taking this time to evolve. And they're like, all right, it was forced on me, but I'm either going to accept the fact that it's happening or I'm not. And lots of people are choosing to just evolve and adapt and figure things out. My my personal trainer, I might have mentioned this on the show before, but but you know, out in the backyard doing with my computer doing my exercise, you know, over Zoom with my personal trainer. And I was asking him about his business because it's obviously it's a very in person kind of business normally. He's got a gym and equipment and big space and all that. And it's closed. Like no one can go there. And he I dragged him kicking and screaming onto Zoom because I was like, dude, I'm gonna get fat if you don't get on Zoom because I'm not gonna do these workouts on my own. I need to have an appointment with somebody so he was like all right and I and he was like you know this really it's not that bad and it wasn't that hard but it, it's definitely he had to really adapt though because there's the technology that he had to adapt to and he's not really he's not a, a technophobe but he doesn't use a computer all day for his job like I do the other thing that didn't occur to me at first was that you know he's in his living room so he doesn't have the normal Uh, his normal plans like okay now go over to this machine now go over to that machine now grab those rubber bands and like all his normal stuff that he would do he had to switch to someone who's in an environment that has no equipment no weights no nothing so we're doing all kind of like body weight and plyometric stuff and stretching and all these other things but he had to really it was something that he could do he could adapt to that but so I'm asking him what about all the other trainers? Cause he manages like 10 other trainers and he's like, not one of them has made the sleep. They're just sitting home doing nothing. And I was like, what do you, what do you think's going to happen? First I asked why he thought that. And he's like, well, I showed him how to use zoom. I keep on trying to get him to do it. He's like, I finally gave up after a couple of weeks. They're just, he's like, I don't think it's zoom. I think it's that they are too far outside of their comfort zone without all the equipment from the gym. And I was like, "What do you think is going to happen?" And he's like, "If twenty five percent of them actually come back with clients, I'll be surprised." Because clients who've been not working out for a couple of weeks or months or whatever, they're not going to be. They're not going to be like, "Yay, I can finally go back to the gym." They're going to be like, oh, "I feel like a load, and I don't want to go back to the gym because I I feel all I'm going to be thinking about is how far behind I am and how far I slid back and." And like, oh, I don't want to be embarrassed in front of the trainer and go and be all like gross and, and feeling tight or whatever. And I, I agree with, I mean, obviously I've kind of, I'm kind of biased. Like I think that what those trainers are doing is a, it's going to be really bad for their business. And I think what my trainer did and just like like he's got 90% of his clients on a back to a weekly schedule. -hmm. You know, he's going to talk about hit the ground running or come out swinging. He'll be fine. He's going to be fine.
1: But but let's not underestimate what he had to do because I mean I what I know about personal training you probably put in your hand. But I'm thinking it's one thing to use machines and to kind of just sort of roll with it as you go through a training session. But to be able to think about well, how can you use your body as the weight? How can we set resistance with what you have at hand? I mean, he had to really think about this. And so I don't want to underestimate what it takes to retool and rethink. But for people that are willing to do it, I mean, 90%, that's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. He's got a full schedule, like a 40-hour schedule. Not 40 clients because some have multiple appointments per week. But he's got a full 40 hours of Zoom training every week now it's like it's like nothing happened to him but you're you're 100% correct and not only does he have to come up with a new way to you know like what what exercises can he give to me that I can do in my particular space which happens to be my back patio like okay now he's got to come up with something I can do there in my particular situation when sometimes it's been really cold and kind of rainy. So I've got on different clothes and other times it's been sunny and the dog's been running around underfoot and, <laughs> you know, and he's got, he knows I do karate. So he's giving me karate type exercises. Now multiply that by 20 other clients who are in a different environment. Maybe they do have a home gym or maybe they don't have to be outside or maybe they different, 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 different. So yes, applause to Adam for being massively flexible and adaptive and just making it happen. Cause he could see because he did not want to do it. I had to drag him kicking and screaming. But once he did it, he was like, oh, this this is the right thing to do. Because if I didn't do this, these people would he lose at least half his clients. He was like, I mean, in his estimation, he'd lose so many clients and they just wouldn't come back.
1: Well, sometimes we need a catalyst. The catalyst can get you started, but you have to adapt as you go. Or the catalyst, the catalytic event doesn't do you much good. So, you know, maybe that's part of what we need too. sometimes is we need the catalyst. And that's what the situation is for a lot of people. It's the catalyst. So if, if you've had sort of like 9-11 was, you know, if you had a job that you really didn't love or you have a, a, a freelance practice that's not going the way that you want or a relationship that isn't right, this is the time when everything goes up in the air. And then we get to decide how we want, up to a point, I guess, how we want life to be different afterwards.
0: Right. Yeah, that reminds me. I've heard from a lot of people on my mailing list who who were actually still full-time employees but were on my list because they were planning maybe someday I'll go out on my own or someday I'll tell this boss to take this job and shove it. And, and like, oh, whoops, uh, furloughed or laid off or whatever. And so lots of those folks, when they've got some savings and everybody's financial situation is different, they they do or they don't. But I'm not going to let that happen to me again. I'm going to take control of my life. This is the call it the tipping point or the straw that broke the camel's back. Like I'm not going back to another job. I'm going to create my own business. And that's got its own challenges. But that's the that's the life I want. And now's the time to do it because I can't do anything else anyway. So I might as well. Mm-hmm. might as well build this foundation.
1: <laughs> Kicking and screaming. and But still, I, I still give the person who makes that decision a lot of credit because other people would look at this and go, I know I need to get a job. I need to find another job. I need, I need a steady paycheck. I need the benefits. I, I'm just going to wait this out. I'm going to get as much unemployment as I can, as long as I can, and I'm going to find a job. So not everybody uses the opportunity to make a change. So if you're doing that, Big kudos to you.
0: No judgment. If you if you don't want to run your own business, I totally get that. But people who are on my list are have been are usually people who've been thinking about going solo. The full time employees on my list are definitely thinking about going solo. But this is like this is the asteroid event. It's like boom. All right. Yeah. I guess now's the time. It's never never <laughs> gonna be a better time than this.
1: Well, and I think that part of the key is to use your talents and passions in a way that That make sense, and you use them for the audience that really needs them. I told the story in my blog that went out this morning, my daily email, about I decided in my infinite wisdom that I was going to make some masks because I thought I had a friend who's an amazing sewer. And I thought, well, I'll just, I'll whip some up. I'll make one for my husband and I and get some cool fabrics. And, and then there was like a minimum order. So I thought, well, I'll have enough to make 10 or 20. I'll make 20. Yeah, I'll do that. So I'm, you have to understand, I'm not really much of a sewer. So I start on the first one and I'm like, Uh, grumbling and and then I'm swearing as I'm doing it and and I made my husband's first thank God so his came out better than mine did because I was like pissed at myself by the second one and so I did the second one for me and it started out good because it was prettier than the Dallas Cowboys fabric in my opinion and I was just getting madder and madder. It was really interesting. And I just, I had this ideal image of myself that I was going to be the helper. I was going to do masks for the neighbors and I was going to share with the senior center whatever I had left. No, I made those two. And then I, and I, I literally sat down and said, okay, so why am I such a terrible human being that I can only make two masks? And then I realized it's because it's not my thing. And it took me so long. I mean, Erica would die, Jonathan, if I told her how long it took me. She could make like 50 in the time I made two. I have no doubt. Yeah, but I realized it's not using my talents and passions. And if I had used the time to make two masks that I could have gotten online for five bucks a piece instead to help somebody with their business, I could have given away the same amount of time and had a much more magnified or leveraged Effect. So it was like, yeah, apparently that was a lesson I needed to learn. So I won't be making any more maths. But my point is that the message in there is that we all have things that we're really good at. And if you're sitting on the sidelines, now's the time to use those particular skills and talents to help a slice of people that is attractive to you.
0: So, yeah, a couple of good things there to pile on. It's like, use your superpower to help. If there's need for it, that's for sure. And instead of like a misapplication of your skills, you know? <laughs> do not
1: sew masks, people. <laughs>
0: I mean, she was impressed that you had a sewing machine at all. So, pat on the back for that. Bless her. <laughs> so there's that. The other thing that the other thing that comes up. So the the flip side, or not the flip side, but the argument that I have heard a couple of times from using your normal superpower and using that to help people, probably for free, is that like, oh well, isn't that isn't that bad positioning or doesn't that devalue my services or, you know, these kinds of things that, that under normal circumstances, I would say, yeah, if somebody comes along and says, Hey, I want you to work for free in exchange for like promotion. I'll recommend you to all of my friends. If you do this, like design this poster for me for free, like that's one thing, but right now it's kind of like the context is different and people like show up, And do it in a way that's going to make you feel good. It's going to help other people. And it's going to keep your emotional state in a positive way. And just try it to the extent that you can. Just don't worry about the money right now. I'm still charging for some things. But I'm also giving away a lot of stuff for free. But I'm not making masks. Like that would be a horrible (laughs) use of my time. Um, But you know, like things like, um, I I put a, a thing out on social media. And I was like, hey, if you lost your job, because of this email me at this address and I don't know if I can help but I'll try and help and I got a bunch of people that were kind of in that like I was I was working or I was freelancing and lost all my clients or I was working a job and I lost my job and I've always wanted to start a business what should I do and that is exactly what I normally do but not with people like that usually usually the people I'm helping are sort of farther along in their journey they've been billing hourly for several years long enough for them to feel the trap the hourly trap that they're stuck in so these other people they don't need my book they don't they don't need any of that stuff but just like simple application or um really basic application of like the principles that i normally teach uh, seem to be really helpful for this group of people so i'm so yes am i giving stuff away for am i giving my normal stuff that i charge for away for free i mean it's basically like email one-on-one email coaching which is something I normally charge a lot of money for but these people are like They're it's not bad like they were place. potential clients right I yeah. mean it's like just do it and maybe whatever I just I'm like a big karma person like
1: well my- otherwise I'm going to send you that leftover fabric <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, that it's- or mask, Jonathan there are no other choices
0: yeah but it's it just feels really good so if you've got, and I, and I have tons of extra time, like at probably 15 or 20 extra hours a week because I'm not driving to karate. I'm not going to the gym. I'm not going back and forth to the office. My commute is from the bed to the desk. So it's like, you know, I've got extra time and what's going to, it hasn't happened in a while now, but at the, at the beginning of all this craziness when it was maximum crazy, every once in a while I could feel myself getting into the spiral of like, uh, what's going to happen and blah, whatever. And just like, it's a complete antidote to that feeling. So if you have that spiraling worry feeling, that pointless, useless worrying.
1: Help find, somebody. Find,
0: yeah, help somebody. Like find some way to Anybody. Take it. Right. <laughs> and what that'll do, to bring it back to the topic of the episode, what that'll do is it's going to, your finger will be on the pulse of what's going on and how things are changing in real time. So you can adapt. That is the thing that it's going to allow you to adapt is by staying in touch with people who you could potentially benefit. And then at some point when the economics of the situation aren't as dire, I, I mean, it's a leap of faith, but you just have to believe that it's going to, there's going to be either a pay it forward kind of thing or reciprocity kind of thing. But I don't even think about that. But if you just need some kind of convincing or like what is the thought process going through my mind? I mean, how can you go wrong helping people? I mean, it's just going to... <laughs> We're in a service business. Everybody listening to this is in some kind of service business. So it's like helping is a natural thing to do. So I'd say just keep doing it and to the questions like, well, but how am I going to make a living? It's like, don't worry about that. You have to obviously pay the bills and figure out how to do that. And that's – I'm not trying to trivialize that, but assuming that that is somewhat covered.
1: Yeah, assuming you have an option to have that covered. Yeah, exactly. But part of this though is that – is we can hold on too tight to things. You know, there was a conversation I had recently. I said, yeah, but these clients, they're all, they're all going to want my advice and they want everything for free. And I said, well, that's okay. Because what you're doing is you're helping them through this. It's not like you're doing a project from beginning to end. You're giving them a piece of advice on one thing. That's valuable to them. So when you let go of the need to make money from that, right? Then you can say, oh yeah, of course I can help them. They're not going to ask you to do a whole project from beginning to end. I mean, they wouldn't. So it's just, it's about being there, being helpful and not grasping so tight on what you have or what you had past tense, right? Because I think that's a, it's kind of like hunkering down. It's the same psychological emotional feeling of i have to hang on to this because this is mine versus okay all right i'm gonna let that go i'm just gonna try this i'm just gonna try helping this client who used to pay me a lot of money to do this i'm just gonna do this one thing for them and see how that feels and boy it's a great feeling because they appreciate it
0: right yeah and it gives you something to think about besides like worrying about so like there's I don't know if we want to go down a rabbit hole with the difference between worry and stress and all of that stuff. But worrying, just to say a little bit about worrying, it's uh, my favorite quote about worrying is that worrying is a misuse of imagination. I think Dan Zadra said that.
1: Oh, I don't think I heard that one.
0: Yeah, I love that quote. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. It's different from stress. Stress is a decision that you have not yet made. It's you're being pulled in two different directions, like literal stress. If you think of stressing like a like a a lever or something like that, it's being asked to do two different things at once. That to me, that's stress and that and the solution to stress is make the decision. The worry is completely pointless using your imagination to picture worst case scenarios. And there are things that there is no decision to be made about. So to me, that's like a pretty big distinction between the two if you find yourself worrying, the antidote to that is just helping people. It just You just forget to worry. You're like, oh, I forgot to worry today. Whoops. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we need things to focus on. Lots of people have come up with creative things and hobbies. I don't know if you've seen the woman who styles her dog's hair a different <laughs> way every day with a costume. She's got this giant Newfoundland. Right. Um, so you find that. But for most of us in listening to this this recording, it's we do that in service to our clients. I mean, I woke up the other morning thinking about something a client had asked me about, and I'm like, oh, oh, I, I, I think I have an idea for that. And it made me feel so good. I mean, I didn't wake up worrying that I was going to get the coronavirus. I was focused on that. And the more positive things that we can fill our days with, the easier they are.
0: So all these things we've talked about, I feel like are circling around this topic of like constructing your new normal. It's the kind of thing that's going to come into focus over time. For, this, is, this is my prediction. My prediction, at least the, the way it feels to me, is that in terms of actionable steps, it's like keep helping. First of all, keep in communication with as many people as you can. Clients, friends, colleagues, people in your target market or your industry or your space or whatever, your area of expertise, like like now's the time to be even more communicative take more meetings virtual coffee whatever you want to call it and have your receptors tuned to the changes in people's um, what people value I guess is what it boils down to and as that's happening you can kind of construct this new I mean maybe maybe it's a pivot maybe it turns into a pivot maybe it turns into a new product maybe it it's a course that you decide to put together instead of a you know an in-person workshop it's a video course but you're going to be getting feedback from people because they're in this heightened state of of flexibility I almost want to say they're pliant like things are all in flux right now so in order to construct your new normal you need to be aware of all the things that are in flux in your immediate orbit so for me it's like I'm going to get rid of my office like it's It made sense at one time that, and now that I've reevaluated things, it's like, doesn't, I don't need it anymore. It's like one less thing for me to worry about or think about or like drag me, not drag me down, but I feel a weight to possessions, even the stuff that's sitting in my office. Like, I don't need that stuff. So you're going to do that for yourself, but your clients and colleagues and friends and family are going to be doing the same thing. So if you stay in communication with them and keep your antenna, Sensitive to like what the new changes are going to be like and how you might fit into the new reality, how you can help in the future, in the new future, then you're going to be ready to come out swinging, as you said, Rochelle, once... F- yeah, I mean, it's not like going to be a night and day kind of thing, but you're going to start to... It's going to come into focus as you move forward and there'll be some amount, maybe a little, maybe a lot of shift from your old normal to your new normal. But you don't want it to be a sharp break. You want it to be a smooth transition. And yeah. And so that's that's what this episode is about. It's like how do you how are you gonna smooth out that transition between the old way and the new way so that it's not like a cliff?
1: <laughs> well, it's a little bit like when you go to the eye doctor and they switch those little lenses back and forth. Can you see it better now? Better oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. But it, it is like that. So it's, it's, I think it's important not to get frustrated that it's just not all immediately obvious, but it's the unveiling of it is really the fun of it. This whole situation is not fun. If there is a silver lining in it, it's that there may be an opportunity for each of us to be better when we come out of this than we thought we could.
0: Right, exactly. Mm hmm. And we've talked about habits and not getting into your back into you being kicked out of your rut. Like, do you want to go back into it or do you want to create a new routine that maybe doesn't turn into a rut or more productive or more helpful?
1: The thing that I miss the most was my gym. I work from home and for me, the gym was I, six days a week. I got out. I got out of my house and I went and and I was surrounded by people and and I'm not even a social person at the gym. I don't there's like two people I talk to. One of them, I don't even know their name. Like, hey, Africa, what are you doing? It's not social. I go there to, to work, but to work around other people and I missed it so much. But what's interesting, and I haven't figured out if I'll go back right now, the answer is yes. I can't wait to go back. But when I walk around my neighborhood, and we moved to a beautiful place where you see mountains and, and this is the best time of year here. And it's beautiful. And all of a sudden all my neighbors are walking too. Now we're six feet apart and we're masked, but it's like we talk more. We'll stop six feet apart and chat about something other than our dogs. And there's just something about feeling like I'm part of this community during the day that's really cool. I I mean, I like it. Now, don't ask me when it's July in the desert. I'm just not picturing that. But it's there there's something to really be savored and appreciated is how I'm looking at it. And it's true of everything that we're experimenting with now. I mean, I, I can't wait for to be able to go to a restaurant again. It's an unimaginable luxury right now to be able to go and have a restaurant meal. I mean, yeah, that would be exciting. But you know what? Maybe I'll be cooking more for a long time.
0: The norms are gonna change. They already have, and they're not going to change all the way back. And one of the one of the things that's I keep saying to my kids, right? Because my oldest is only ten, and I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I'm bored. And I'm like, this is like the '80s. This is what it was like in the <laughs> '80s. Like you just there's like nothing to do, and that slower pace. Because now we have the internet, of course, but even you get sick of it after a while. Like unbelievably, you get sick of it, and it's like, okay, I got to get off that. Now what? and you know, hence basketball hoop, but it's been a noticeably slower pace of like thing to thing to thing to thing. That's one of the things I really wonder about. I'm like, is the pace going to go all the way back to hyper? Probably for a lot of people it will. Maybe I'm just an old timer and like, oh, that, that was actually kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's more creative. Like I can think, I, I have time to think To think. more. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's funny how many more ideas we have Mm -hmm. I mean, I've always believed creativity needs some space and it's not like you just have to sit there and gaze off into the ether, but you can go for a walk, you can move yourself physically, you can look at art online and be inspired. I mean, there's, there's, there's just something about having our choices diminished that where we really have to use our own creativity to amuse ourselves and keep ourselves sane. And I'll tell you the people who have, who have been working at an office and have kids at home. I mean, those are the people that I just, those, they inspire me. I mean, they're teaching their kids. They're trying to run their office I mean, they're, they're doing a whole lot of things that they didn't all have to do before in a system that doesn't provide a lot of support for that. So it's, it's, I mean, it's just, it's a really interesting time and we'll see who rises to the challenge.
0: Right. Yeah. And to your point about creativity, needing space and like deciding how to spend your time, it all comes back to this, like constructing the new normal. What's the new routine that's going to make sense. And that's going to fit into the new world order, so to speak. Like we have, we have new neighbors who, can you imagine moving like they had closed on our, our next door neighbors moved out and then some new, People moved in like in the middle of all this because the house closed. Like they had to move. It's funny because there's like a sunroom on the back. Of me. They're older, uh, even older than me. And, <laughs> and there's this back porch that's like all glass that they have, and like the dad just sits out there at night and reads in this chair. And I'm like, oh wow. <laughs> that guy, like every night, that guy just like reads for an hour and a half. Just sits there. I'm like, oh, that's like heaven. And it just it just reminds me of this like slower pace and like okay all of this stuff got yanked out of my schedule and I've got this extra I don't know if it's ten or twenty hours a week it feels like twenty hours a week of extra time that's from karate and and driving around to office and errands and all this stuff and it's like do I really I don't I definitely do not want all that to come back but what am I going to replace it with and that's what we're talking about here like being intentional about how you reassemble curate pieces of of your life and by that I, I kind of mean how you spend your time but also it's there's also stuff involved for me but it's less important I think in the topic you, of mean, this you mean physical stuff physical stuff mm, and, yeah. and like we have two cars I'm looking at like for for years and years and years we had one car and I think a couple of years ago we got another we've like two matching red outback Subaru Outbacks. Here. like <laughs> we call them Fred and George like the redheads from uh, Harry Potter but the so but I'm looking at it and I'm like I mean obviously we're not driving around a lot right now but we really only needed one car and having two cars had a lot to do with me getting the office is like yeah, oh. I was
1: gonna say yeah if you don't have the office you don't have to commute
0: yeah and it's only like it's not even a mile to my office I could definitely walk but you know you get lazy and it's raining or it's snowing You're like, yeah, like I'm not gonna go in but I'm paying for it so maybe we should get a second car and the way that those decisions like stack up Suddenly, I get rid of the office and it's like, do I really need that extra car payment?
1: I keep looking at my car. I have not, I'm, I'm doing a grocery shop tonight and I haven't grocery shopped in three weeks. So, guess what? My car hasn't been out of the garage in three weeks. And I just keep looking at it. I love my car. It's a 97 BMW Z3 with a six cylinder. I love my car. <laughs> I look at it and I smile, but I look at it and go, really? Like, yeah. God, am I ever going to drive this again?
0: Yeah, I hate driving, so I, I, I would I would love to be able to get, we'll say, But anyway, the, the point is, like, there's some there's some stuff that recurring payment, rent for the office, payment for the car, insurance for the car, all of the things, the internet for the office, all of these things, the decisions that I made years ago, and having been kicked out of the routine, it's kind of like, well, let's reevaluate these things. But all the SaaS products and the dollar shave clubs and all of those things, like, let's look at all this and products that I sell and and books that I write or ideas that, you know what, this idea, I've been flogging this long enough, I need a new idea. It's, It's at every level, I think it's a perfect time to stay in touch with people, try and help as much as you can with your antenna out, looking for ways where you could be better, you could do more, you can help more, you can have a bigger impact and, you know, make more money someday, like down the road that'll that'll happen. Like if you can help more people than you used to, you don't have to worry about your income. That that's just going to magically show up.
1: It'll happen. Yeah. The key is the, is the focus.
0: Cool. All right. As usual, horse is dead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> A poor horse. Yeah.
0: All right, folks. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark,
1: and I'm Michelle Moulton.
0: And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye.
1: Bye-bye.